I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Barbican Screen Talks. Hello and welcome to Barbican Screen Talks a new series that sees us re-releasing exclusive conversations with some of the world's leading filmmakers and film fans. Our rich archive of Screen Talk Q&As goes back decades and includes interviews with greats such as British film's social conscience, Ken Loach, and Monty Python auteur, Terry Gilliam. But in this episode, we'll hear from the most high-profile black British female director working today. Born in London to Ghanaian parents, Amara Sante started her career as a child actress in Grange Hill and Desmond's. She turned to screenwriting in her late teens and made her directorial debut in 2004 with the gritty A Way of Life. That film about a teenage mum in South Wales went on to win 17 international awards, including the BAFTA for outstanding debut by a British filmmaker. More recently, Asante has won the hearts of critics and audiences with her interracial love story, A United Kingdom. But in this screen talk from 2014, Amara Asante talks to film critic Catherine Bray about her second feature, costume drama Belle. Set in 18th century England, Belle was inspired by a painting of two young women sent to Asante on a postcard by her producer. This exploration of class, gender, race and romance is based on the true story of Dido Elizabeth Bell, the illegitimate mixed-race daughter of a British admiral. When she's discovered living in poverty in the West Indies, Bell is taken in by her uncle, Lord Mansfield. But this attempt to raise his ward in polite society contravenes all the social rules of the time. Meanwhile, Mansfield is ruling over a trial so important it would help abolish the slave trade in Britain. In the interview you're about to hear, Amra Sante explains just how the painting of Belle and her cousin first captured her imagination. She reveals why she was immediately drawn to the lead actress, Gugu Mabatha Raw, and she discusses the particular perspective she has as a woman of colour working in British film. I'm Eleni Jones, and this is Barbican Screen Talks with Amra Asante. Thank you. Emma, um, I was wondering if we could start with what I think is one of the sort of strongest things about this film is that we've got both a kind of beautiful, romantic, Jane Austen, you know, sort of style uh, period piece that would 
probably appeal to anyone who'd kind of seen something like Downton Abbey. And then in there, you've got this critical legal case that Mm. was a turning point in the history of human rights. Mm. And you've woven those two things together seamlessly. Was that always the aim from the beginning? Yes. I was one of those little girls that got lost in the kind of romance of the the, the period dramas, the Austin S dramas, the, the Pride and the Prejudice and the Sense and Sensibility. And yet, as a filmmaker, I couldn't see where I could tell a story or where I could hang my hook on a story without also looking into the trade, the world that was providing the finances for this genteel society. And so for me, um, the painting in itself was such a wonderful gift because it brought together these two elements that for me were completely fascinating. You know, on the one hand, you do have this Austin S society, this Austin S world. Um, and then on the other hand, you you have the aspect of Dido Bell's life, which attaches her to Lord Mansfield, who is presiding over this case. And it was a perfect way for me to look at how this genteel world and society was financed and also it it also helped with the complexity I think that we have when we try to express um, Britain's involvement in the slave trade on screen in film because you know essentially I always say we and then I have to sort of speak as a slight schizophrenic because I'm both black and I'm British but for the moment I'm speaking as a Brit but you know we the Brits were the middlemen we were the providers we were the people that provided the slaves so we would go to America pick the slaves up and then provide the slaves to the West Indies and the the, the Caribbean and so it it was a perfect way of me by going through Dido's life and looking at her as an aristocrat um, and the child of a slave at the same time I was also then able to 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 tie Britain's role into the slave trade in quite well and I thought that was uh, that was a great gift that came to me in the form of a postcard yeah absolutely and it's um intriguing to me as well that you don't you're not focusing on one of the issues you're not focusing just on race you also you know you've got quite a kind of feminist subtext going on you've got class in there it's a real brew of all of these things and yet so romantic at the same time yeah I mean I think um for anybody out there that might have seen my first film. I mean, I'm, I don't like to look at things, if, if you'll pardon the pun, as just black and white. Because I think most areas of life, we're, we're living through the areas that, that exist in between. And um, for me, race is not a concept that you can take alone. You know, I am a black woman and the fact that I'm a woman has everything to do with who I am and so does race. And that ties me into different groups of people because of that. Um, and the fact that I'm a black woman of, of whatever particular class I may come from is relevant, I think, also to who I am. And this was a period that was, you know, as we come into the story, Britain is really, it's going through a transition. It's on the cusp of change. There are so many things that are becoming different, if that makes sense. So in, if you think about marriage, the status marriage um, was still very much there, but the love marriage was just beginning to sort of pierce the conscious and the idea that you married somebody because you loved them and not because they could give you status necessarily. Slavery um, in the grand scheme of things was going to be abolished. I mean, it was still a long way away. It was still a lifetime away, but it was still in the grand grand scheme of things, a short period away. And so there were all these things that were changing. New money was coming in. All of this stuff was coming in. And I thought that it would be difficult to sort of just tell a story of race. Not that it would be difficult. I thought it would be disingenuous to not also... I think what you do also when you speak about all the other elements is you r- remind everybody that the, the, this is about humanity. This is about us 
as human beings um, and not just about a, you know, a percentage of our DNA that separates us in many ways. Yeah, I love how um, you capture the, the servants in the background. It's something that sometimes bothers me when I'm watching sort of a Jane Austen adaptation. They can often be quite feminist, but the servants are like these automatons that aren't really fully people. Well, it was interesting because, you know, Mabel, the sort of servant in this story, the main servant in this story, is a character that didn't obviously exist in, in Dido's story. I created her. Um, because I wanted to show you who Dido Bell could have been. And in Lord Man's... I'm sorry, everybody, by the way, I've got a really sore throat. I don't normally sound like this. But um, with Lord Mansfield's choice came courage and love. It took a lot of courage, I think, for him to sort of go against the rules of the time, but also love. And for me, it was very important that I show, A, Dido coming into contact with another person of colour for many reasons, but also to represent who her you know, the side of her that was her mother. But also I felt it was really important for you to see that Lord Mansfield chose to educate Dido. They chose to dress her in jewels. They chose to raise her as an aristocrat when actually what would have been probably much more acceptable according to the rules might have been to take her in but have her as a servant and keep her warm and dry and fed and taken care of but kept as a servant and I wanted you to see that that that's actually who Dido could have been and yet he, he chose not to not to do that. And that's probably a good point to actually talk about the sort of the lady of the hour. Did you know uh, the moment that you saw her that this was the right person to star? Well, it's interesting because I knew Gugu Mbatha-Raw, who plays the title role. I knew her before we started casting um, for Belle. And I knew her because she'd come into audition for me for um, a film that I will now make in 2015. But at the time, I was going to make it in 2009. Um, which also um, involves the life of a mixed-race girl, but instead of it being in the 18th century, it's in the 1940s. And so she had come in to audition for that role. And, yeah, she de- I mean, Gugu is somebody who has presence and definitely takes your breath away when she walks into the room um, and hadn't yet gone off to make her name in America. She hadn't yet um, played Ophelia against Jude Law's um, Hamlet on Broadway and she hadn't done the, the TV series that she went on to do in America so you know she was she was a wonderful and stunning of course actress and then um, once I, I started working on Belle you know it was important for me to start thinking about all of the girls that could have been appropriate for this role and not just for myself and not just for reasons of making sure that we honoured Dido's story but also the financiers want you to know that you've exhausted every single possibility out there and that you've really got the right person because this is a person who has to carry the movie. She's surrounded by incredible, incredible thespians that we know and love, but it's, this is her story. So uh, Gugu was reading all of the drafts of, of, of the script as I was kind of developing the story that I wanted to tell. And she's smart, And she understood the kind of story that I wanted to tell. She understood that this was an internal journey as much as an external one. She realised that what I wanted to do with with Dido was take her from a girl to a woman, a girl who says, as you wish, sir, to a woman who metaphorically says, no, as I wish, who has a political awakening. And that this story I was going to have to tell in a way, you know, in a period that was very restrained and very restricted. And yet this was a character who was finding her voice. And so it was about somebody who could express all of those things, be familiar and unfamiliar, because we've seen her, we know her, we've seen her in Austin stories in some way before, but not quite in this way. And she's the other within. 
mainly for me, it was how smart Gugu is um, that really attracted me to her. And so it was a long process, um, a long process, but there's no doubt she was a head and shoulders above everybody and that, that this role was, was hers. And it was, it was just about us coming to a place where we both thought, yeah, this is absolutely right for both of us. And then we just became partners in grime. Now, I'm sure you've all got questions that you're dying to ask. Do we have any questions? Hi. I wasn't sure of the balance between the question of colour and the question of illegitimacy and whether the social rules were more to do with illegitimacy. And you're not supposed to be, sure. Um, that's deliberate. Um, we will never know. I mean, yes, it's true that in certain circumstances, the fact that Dido was illegitimate would have stopped her coming to the table. And in fact, um, Lady Mary, Lord Mansfield's sister, being an unmarried woman, would have meant that in certain circumstances she wouldn't have been able to be at the table either. For instance, if there were more married couples at the table than the seating allowed, she would be the one who would be bumped off, that kind of thing. And the rules of the time were so complex. They was, there was so much applied onto everybody to sort of do the right thing that we will never know whether the decisions that the family made were because she was illegitimate or because she was um, a woman of colour. And my guess is that it would have been a combination. It would have just been the two things together meant that the family could themselves ignore the rules of society but what they wouldn't be able to do is impress them upon other people who might wish to sort of abide by those rules or sort of stick to those rules so the idea is we're happy to to eat with you but we can't force other people to if they don't want to in formal situations so it's it's deliberate i just wondered how you read the that zofany double portrait um which is such an interesting image because it's two figures, but they're not exactly symmetrical, although they're deeply entwined, it seems slightly ambiguous. Not unlike Lord Mansfield himself, who was a, a, very, a man with a great conscience, but far from a tub-thumper. Mm. Well, the, for me, the painting is everything. Um, it's, it's the reason why I'm sitting here today. And without that painting, had I, for instance, known about Dido Elizabeth Bell and that painting hadn't existed, I'm not sure I would have been the storyteller behind this movie. So the painting for me is what inspired and evoked certain emotions in me and inspired me to, to want to make the film. My journey to the painting without knowing that I was on that journey was I live in Holland um, and I am married to a Dane it's a long story as to why we live in Holland. But um, one Saturday afternoon, when I guess he had no better business to do, he decided, my husband decided that he, he was going to take me to um, an exhibition in Amsterdam, which was looking at the history of people of colour in European art from about the 14th century onwards. And I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello? 
Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This was a very, very long um, exhibition, about four hours. And it was the last thing I thought I wanted to do on a sunny um, Amsterdam afternoon. But in fact, I think it was one of the best things I ever did in my life. And... What I learned and what I absolutely did not know, well, I, you, you know, obviously subconsciously I knew certain things. I knew that, that we were always subservient during the 18th century when we were painted alongside um, Caucasian people. But I didn't understand the sort of rules and the actual facts of that or the kind of intellectual um, sensibilities behind it, if that made any sense. And what I learned was that people of colour were um, always painted lower down in the painting we were never allowed to look out at the painter because that was too much power. If This is if we were painted alongside a Caucasian. We were always usually reaching up, often reaching up in some way, which would draw your eye to um, uh, the, the main protagonist or the main muse of the painting. And, um, and if we weren't reaching up, then we were offering them something like fruit or something like that, which um, expressed the wealth of the Caucasian person and also... Uh, express to the viewer that we were the servant, we were the subservient one. So having learned this and being completely fascinated because this whole journey that I went on during this exhibition also took me right up until we became front and centre of paintings, until we were, the, we, we were the muse in Brazilian paintings, all that kind of thing. So outside of Europe. So when I was sent this postcard by my producer, Damien Jones, I immediately realised this was the complete opposite. I didn't have to be a sort of art historian to realise here was Dido painted slightly higher than Elizabeth. Um, she's looking directly out at the painter, which is such a strong um, position for her to be in, the one that we never saw black people in at all. And it's actually Elizabeth that's reaching out to her, which draws your eye to her. So those, those were the first things that I noticed. And then as I started to explore the painting more, I learned that 18th century people, let alone women, were very, very, well, never basically painted in motion. And if you look at Dido's motion, she's forward moving. She's moving forward and pointing at herself. I learned that the fruit is representative of wealth. Her dress is actually more modern than Elizabeth's is very old school. So it's in many ways, what it is, is the old world coming together with the new world, not necessarily England coming together with Africa. But in many ways, what became somewhat clear to me is that this was perhaps Lord Mansfield's vision of a world in which both of his nieces could be looked at by everybody as equals. Um, and that by Dido's motion, what the painter was doing was making a very progressive choice, um, a very modern contemporary choice. Now, there is another way to interpret the, the, the painting, but actually there, are, there, there is no artistic backup for, in terms of what art meant in the 18th century, there's no backup for it. So it's, oh, she's holding fruit, she's a servant. Well, no, fruit meant wealth. Um, oh, she's definitely a servant because it's Elizabeth grabbing her. Well, I, I personally see it as a, at the hand of affection. And so when you look at the sort of other interpretations of it, there's sort of no 
historic art explanation that explains it. So for me, what I saw was love, courage, politics, art, history, all of these things combined into one. But for me, they were all positive. So the film in microcosm, really. Absolutely. I, you know, absolutely inspired by the painting. Uh, any more questions? Over here? Did you find that there was a particular challenge in getting the film made in the first place, given that there are still issues of representation, particularly of women of colour, in a prominent role? Well, I know that my producer, Damien Jones, before he sent me the postcard himself, had been trying to get a, a, a movie off the ground about Dido Bell's history for quite some time. He had worked w- with a writer um, previously to try and get a script off of the ground. I know that they had um, not been able to raise financing to get it to production stage. And so by the time the movie came to me, the movie actually came to me because Damien Jones and a somebody, one of the organisations, the BFI, that had been trying to get the script to a stage where they could attract production financing from other people as well. The, t- the two of them got together and suggested that the, 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 the postcard should be sent to me and that I should begin a process, which for me was three and a half to four year process of... Um, bringing together the film that you see today you know yes and no because we had the BFI on board and the BFI had already had financed my first film had financed the film that I mentioned earlier that Gugu and Barter Raw had auditioned for and so it basically financed most feature films that I had written and so they were always on board and their wish was to really get me also back behind the camera as quickly as possible so that I didn't lose momentum because it was coming up for six or seven years since I'd been behind the camera at that point. So, you know, they, as, a, as an organisation, were, were very much on board. I mean, in terms of trying to sell the idea of a costume drama with a black lead, because that's the movie I wanted to make, the movie that Damien had been trying to get off the ground previously was a movie about Belle and Bette equally, and in many ways was a very, was a fundamentally different story. But my wish was to tell a story about Belle and have her front and centre. There were difficulties in that. I mean, I look back now and I wonder whether those difficulties were any greater than any other movie might have had. I mean, on average, it takes seven to eight years to get a, a British movie off of the ground. And, and we, by the time I came on board and started my work to, to decide what story I wanted to tell, what themes I wanted to look at and express the nuances and the subtext that I wanted, you know, it was four years or so. So... It's hard for me to sort of just put it down to the fact that she was a woman of colour and that we were putting her front and centre. But it certainly wasn't the easiest journey. But, you know, we at least had financiers who were backers from the beginning who were very committed to telling the story with us. I think we have a question in the second row down here. Not contented with all the other things you handled, you also, you also handled a sexual assault by the extra vile brother. It can't have been an easy decision to, to put that in. I mean, it was and it wasn't. I mean, it wasn't because, you know, what we're speaking about here in terms of that assault and throughout the whole film is the value of a woman. I mean, the whole one of the big themes in the movie is the value of human beings and then in particular the value of a woman and then the value of a a black woman, a woman of colour, the value of um, what might have been considered exotic at the time and the vulnerability you know, the strength of the woman, but also the vulnerability of the woman. And so in that sense, yes, it was it was sad that I was going to have to show that there was no one homogenous view um, of Dido, that there, were men, there would be many views to a servant, she would be an aristocrat, 
and to an aristocrat. She might be the, just the child of a slave and dismissed in that manner. So in, on the one hand, it was really sad for me that I was going to have to show this. But on the other hand, it would have been totally disingenuous not to have. Because in the world that I... I was deciding to show her in, which is a world where she moved around on her own, which of course we knew we know wouldn't have happened quite in that way because she would have been a young woman and she would have always had to have had a man or an older woman with her. There was no way that her vulnerability wouldn't have been challenged. It's always about truth in the end. You know, no matter how dramatic you get or how much of a commercial story you're telling or how much fiction you have to attach to uh, the historical elements to express your 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 messages or your story in the end you have to find the truth of the characters and of that that story so in many ways in order to sort of you know push my my discussion with the audience as to the value and as to the ridiculous um idea that we could offer each other as fellow human beings we could we could have higher and lower value i had to have that assault Okay, uh, question down here, and I think that's probably the last question, unless it turns out to be very quick. Uh, just on the on the last point, you, you sort of mentioned about the artistic license you had to take. Um, yeah. Were there any items that you sort of feel guilty about almost for taking too much artistic license? And just a quick other one, relating to the very start, you, you said about it was time, a big change and all the rest of it. Yeah. Do you think it has an equivalent? Do you think we have an equivalent now as to the changes we, that's, that's going through? That's a question I that? haven't been asked in six months of doing press, <laughs> I have to say. Okay, um, the first question was liberties. Is there anything? No, no. I mean... No, I'm not because, you know, you have to tell this story in one hour and 45 minutes. And I think you'll all agree there's a lot in it and there's a lot of stuff that you're trying to weave in and communicate to an audience and 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 kind of remind everybody that all of these things are connected. They're not they're not separate. And um, if you think about the way that I'm speaking now, we talk about realistic dialogue. And actually, if you ever put realistic dialogue on screen, um, you'd have all left the room because look at me, I'm rambling. And so, you know, there's realistic dialogue and then there's the perception of realistic dialogue. And that's what we do as screenwriters. We create a perception of realistic dialogue. And in a way, I have to sort of do that with with movie making and storytelling. I have to try and um, create an idea of a world to you in a very short space of time. And so I don't feel guilty about anything, no. I mean, look, everybody, John Davinier was not a lawyer um, in real life. She really married him, she had children with him, but I made him a lawyer because I needed to communicate to you all very quickly the two sides of the question re- regarding the Zong. And it was very important in order to do that. So in many ways, there, there isn't anything. I did try to create elements of fiction that would support the history and not undermine it and also not patronise my audience. But I am a big romantic. So um, second part of your question, I'll answer. It's about the equivalence for today's. It's really hard for me to know, but I often wonder what in 200 years uh, human beings will look back at and wonder why we were um, so unevolved (laughs) um, about what are the elements that we'll look at today, from today, that will have changed so much. And I think while I'm standing in it, I'm, I'm, I'm finding it really difficult to know but what I do hope my genuine wish for this film is that it will one day have the impact um, on human beings that the painting had on me Uh, and that's what I can say I hope for the future lovely and the final question from the lady up in the corner and can I just say also if anyone hasn't seen Emma's 2004 BAFTA winning film A Way of Life it is very good indeed very different but also very powerful so 
uh, do check that out if you get this the chance. This is not one to take your children to, though. So <laughs> that's the only thing I will say. Do you feel that the election of President Obama has allowed such subjects as this to be dealt with realistically, to have a more open dialogue and to look at these people as real people as they are? Um, I would say that in terms of all of you as audience, mem audience members, I think you've always had the capability, the ability and the, the wish to do that. I think the difference um, with Obama and, you know, sometimes it's called within the entertainment industry is the Obama effect. I think the difference is that um, the fact that he was elected has made financiers have to stop and think that people like me, those of us behind the camera, who may then go on to tell stories that will allow you all to identify with a, with a woman of colour, whatever nationality you are, those people, you know, need the opportunity to tell these stories if we're not going to look outdated, if we're not going to look behind. I mean, my, one of my sayings is, has always been, you know, we've had two million years to evolve, you know, what the hell has been going on? And I think the one thing that film cannot afford to do is sort of look as though it's behind the times because art is always supposed to keep up with the times and be ahead of it and so I think the election of Obama has allowed um, filmmakers like me to be able to tell the stories I think had we been allowed 30 years ago you would be identifying in hopefully the same way that you you identify today with or without Obama it's just that the powers that be now have had to think again in terms of um, allowing a diversity of people behind the camera. And that's not just people of colour, that's women. That's younger filmmakers. You know, when I was a child actress, I'd never heard of directors that were 25 and 26, and now you're everywhere. So um, I, I think, for me, that's that's the key. Wonderful. Thank you I'd like very to ask much. you what you think, though, but I'll do that afterwards. <laughs> um, we could talk all night, no, but we better I not. Could. Um, no thank voice. you ever so much for coming along, everybody, and I hope you'll join me in thanking Emma for a fascinating film and brilliant Q&A. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this Barbican Screen Talk with Emma Asante. If you'd like to hear more, you can subscribe to the podcast via iTunes or Acast or visit barbican.org.uk slash screentalksarchive. And we'd like to hear from you. Tell us what you think of Bell on social media at Barbican Centre. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.